0: Yes, I have lost weight, Kenny. Thank you for, for mentioning that.
1: <laughs> Why are you trying you would, to lose weight or are you trying to? You look damn good. Let me just tell you that.
0: So I'm not actually trying to, but it's, it's interesting. So I actually was reading up on this. You guys know I lift weights and I'm very, very muscular. And uh, I just want to get the eye rolls out. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> So I just, my brother was a power lifter. He, was, he actually was winning medals when he was 16, 17 years old. He held the Illinois State Bench Press record for a while for amateurs. And so I always lifted weights with him. And we always had like these weightlifting magazines and muscles. And there was a guy named, uh, uh, I'm going to get his name wrong, but it was like Vince Gianda. And he never won anything, but he was always called upon by guys like Arnold and Lou Ferrigno and Franco Colombo to cut body fat before shows. And I read that his whole thing was steak, butter, and eggs four yeah. days a week, one cheat day, and then back to steak, butter, and eggs, period. Right. That was two like meals it. a day and nothing else. So I happened, I said to my wife, I go, this sounds crazy, but it also sounds delicious. She And I didn't <laughs> expect it. My wife used to be not only a vegan, but she was briefly a raw vegan. I'm and, not sure what a
2: raw vegan is.
0: Well, you just don't cook anything, and it's all fucking plants and nuts. Oh shit! Yeah, she—that was before I knew her. That would have never flown in my house. So I was just talking about it, and she goes, "Let's try it." I said, "The hell with it." Okay, let's try it. Fine. So I've literally eaten nothing except for occasional cheat days, but beef, butter, salt, eggs, coffee, and water. Now my it's occasional ketosis. cheat days, but my occasional cheat days involve bourbon. So it usually takes me right out of ketosis. But it's literally, I've dropped weight much easier than I ever have in the past. And I actually enjoy the meals. Wait, so you're doing the
2: keto diet. You've limited all that stuff.
0: It's different than that because I'm not having any dairy. Like I'm not having any milk. I'm not having any cheese. I literally, Kenny, Jimmy, I just make a steak for lunch. I make a steak for dinner. If I'm still hungry, I make four or five scrambled eggs and I eat it with the steak. And that's it. That's it? That's it. No no
2: pasta, no meatballs, none of
0: that. Now, in fairness to me and my heritage, I do have cheap, like I do. I went back to a wedding in Chicago, right? They had penne with vodka sauce. They had about seven servings of it. Right? Yeah. But the minute I get back home, what I do is I restrict myself to those things when I'm yeah. home. Yeah. You, know, okay. you go out to dinner. If there's an opportunity to stick with it, great. If not, I don't. Took my father in law out for his birthday yesterday. He had a key lime uh, tart with a fucking candle in it. I ate the tart. I ate most of the tart. They barely touched it. So, but that's what I do at home. And I'm finding different ways to do it. You know, in in this, everybody who knows who Kenny is, right, knows that other than his financial prowess, he's an unbelievable Italian chef, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. I know like five things. So, I, I was that kid who was like, Mom, make me something. I literally got a chuck roast the other day, and I threw it, I seared it, and I threw it in the slow cooker, put about a stick of butter in there and a little bit of beef broth, and about nine hours later, I had the best pot roast of my life. (laughs) You know, a ton of salt and pepper in there, and that's it. And those are the things I've been eating, and it's really easy to keep the weight off. And how much weight have you lost? Uh, About 12 pounds so far.
2: Good for you. still
0: As heavy as I've been in my life, that's like throwing a lawn chair off the Queen Mary. But it, it, <laughs> I lose it in my face first.
2: Yeah, I could see it in your face. That's why I asked you. Yeah.
0: I could see it in your face.
1: Can we? Are we going to ever talk about anything like that? I don't here? know what hell no. for?
0: I like this <laughs> stuff. Yeah.
1: No, me too. When the FDA came out in like the late 70s and said eggs were no good for you, I knew then to not trust them. And I started eating four eggs a day. And I have since <laughs> I was about 12 years old. And my cholesterol is perfect. I still eat no, four honestly, or five eggs a day.
0: And in all kidding aside, Jimmy and I have been friends for a long time, but I learned a lot more about him on Twitter than I did ever in person. Yeah. Literally, he's been saying this kind of shit for years. That beef's not bad for you. Steak's not bad for you. And look at him. I mean, he doesn't have any – he's got no body (laughs) No, I think he looks great. Yeah. I mean, By the way, one
1: last little thing about that is I have this weakness for my daughters when they ask me to do something, I just say yes and don't think about it. About three months ago, my damn daughter number two – said, Hey, do you want to do a triathlon in Lake Geneva? And I just was like, Yes. <laughs> and now I'm terrified. It's coming up this Saturday. I've also lost five pounds. And I have no five pounds to lose. Right. I feel like I'm I feel like I could be knocked away by the wind. So I'm not well, very happy, the weakest,
0: not, what what event are you the weakest on a triathlon? Jim?
1: Swimming by far. Swimming?
0: Yeah, course, I'm actually a good nuts, runner. Right.
1: So what's Yeah, because of all strength. To... So what is? Is it a mile, How far is the swim? So it's standard Olympic uh, triathlon, which is a like .93 a mile swim, like a twenty five mile bike, and a six point two mile run.
0: I'll wow. finish
1: it. The question is just how uncomfortable will I be? Then I'm going to my fortieth high school reunion that night, so maybe I'll be tired and cranky.
0: Oh, you'll be Aaron yeah, yeah, right? Rodgers with the torn Achilles. <laughs> you'll be pulling up in there. Yeah. Was that
1: unbelievable or not? I couldn't believe what I was Can watching. You... Ah, uh,
2: can you imagine? Oh, are you, you Jets fan or, or no? Giants
0: fan? Kenny, what are you? Patriots
2: really because I'm a Bostonian, right? Okay. Oh, right, okay. right. Good for <laughs> <Fair> you. <enough.
1: laughs> yeah. Okay, I I'm heard that some of these people tune in actually to hear fucking financial talk. So let's <laughs> let's get to it. Welcome to the Future's Edge Podcast. I'm Jim Urio. As always, Bob Iaccino, the brains behind the operation, executive producer co-host. Today, we have one of our friends, as you've probably figured out already, managing partner of Case Capital, Kenny Pulcari. I sometimes worry when the three of us are on, the hands are going to go. It's going to be a lot of Italian. And, Bob, <laughs> we have so many damn Italians on the show. <laughs>
0: So it's funny, like our, I book most of the guests. Jimmy recommends a lot of them and he, he does the pre-reach out and stuff like yeah. that. And then I book them. And it is just amazing how between our networks, the people we've gotten along with end up having a vowel at the end of their name. eight <laughs> well, times out of 10. Well, you know, it's so
2: funny because I do Scott Shelby, right? On Wednesdays. Yeah. Typically, I do it on Wednesdays. And so, you know, when he talks, Suzanne starts him off. What are you talking about today? Who are you talking So he said, I'm talking to Kenny Polkari. I'm talking to Bobby Iaccino. Then I'm talking to Jim Urio. You know, they all end in vowels, right? And so he says to Suzanne, he goes, you notice anything in those names? <laughs> Which is so funny, right? Because it's, uh, it's so true.
1: Shit. No doubt about it. Okay, let's anyway. get to a couple things. Tomorrow we are recording on the eve of CPI, but you guys won't see this until CPI is already out. But so we yep. have to cover it anyway because it's the big elephant in the room. I think yep. it's a monumental uh, uh, number. I think you know don't we're not supposed to look at the headline number at all. That core is supposed to come in at four point three. What are your thoughts pre CPI, Ken?
2: So I think that the number is going to be hotter, And I think the Fed's going to make a mistake by pausing in September because, you know, we were in a place where CPI was declining. Now it's going up. We know it's going up. The estimates show it's going up. But yet they're sitting there going, "Okay, well, I think this is the time to pause. That which makes zero sense to me. So what I'm afraid of is that the the expectation is supposed to be 3.6 on the top line year over year, plus six tenths of a percent month over month, right, which is up. Which is up over the prior month, but the fear is that it's gonna be even hotter than that. And if it's gonna be hotter than that, then how is the Fed gonna turn around now after they've told everybody we're pausing and go, Oh shit, you know, this is even hotter than we thought. How are we gonna take back that that narrative and suddenly talk about maybe the need to have to raise rates again? And that's what I'm afraid of. Now do do i Do I put a large percentage going to be greater than three point six if it's greater than three point six, we all have a problem because then they've lost control of it right? If it comes in at three point six right where they estimate, then what I think the market does, I think it churns, but I think it churns in place. I don't think it goes up or down very much, but I think it just churns. If it comes in hotter, I think the market backs off, and, and if it comes in weaker at three point four or three point three, then I actually think that the market you know, will push higher because then they'll say, "Oh look, we got it right okay I'm in the so- camp though they're going to get it wrong.
1: So it's going to bust us out of our range, it sounds like you think, that, either way. That's right. One way or the other. Okay.
2: Well, unless it comes right in online, then I think we're stuck there. Okay. okay so,
1: Bobby, I want, I'm going to ask Kenny, and I want you to answer this too, okay? So let's sure. say it comes in hotter than expected. Let's say all of a sudden the market starts pricing in 50% chance of a hike in, in September, which I know is, it's probably not going to happen. But then it starts to price in for sure a hike in November. Yeah. What happens to the long end? Do we invert the curve? Further, because it feels like the Fed's going to all of a sudden be like, shit, we got to roll and they're going to overcorrect. What do you think, Kenny?
2: I do think they're going to overcorrect, but I think they have to overcorrect. You know, the pendulum swings both ways. I think they left it way too long on the left side. Now they got to overcorrect on the right side, especially now that we see it. They know that it's going to start to raise again. They've all we've all been talking about how inflation is now ticking up. The expectations tick up. So why they're going? Oh yeah, it's great. We're going to, we're gonna we're not gonna raise rates anymore. Makes zero sense to me.
0: I think Kenny's right, especially about the inflation story. And I think that's theater of the obvious, as Kenny stated. I mean, we're seeing inflation press higher. You know, since the end of May, crude oil's up almost thirty one percent. The WTI contract. Yeah, and we all know that whether as as um art hogan pointed out to us right the actual input from energy is small in the consumer's budget but up here it's massive right right and what it does is it's it's likely in my opinion to start to slow the consumer they tell us to ignore the headline which is what they do but right. the consumer doesn't ignore the headline so the interesting part about this to kenny's point in my view is I don't know if they're making a mistake by pausing in September, but I think they're making a mistake by implying that they're done, which is what they're starting to do. That's right. Nick
2: Timoros ran with that article on Sunday at WallStreetJournal.com. And, you know, Nick Timoros is like deep throat, right? They go to him to float the idea. He writes this story. You'll know it's true when Goldman comes out with the exclusive going, oh, look, the Fed's going to stop. They're all done. That's when you know that it's true because they go to Nick first to float it. And then when they decide, they let Goldman, you know, kind of put it out there. If Goldman doesn't come out with a story like that, then I think it's still kind of you know,
1: in discussion. So but. what? Let's say if it comes in somewhat hot, you know, guys like um, what's there's a guy who sends me his newsletter. I think he's very good. I think his name is like Steve Anastasio or something. Do you know he's an economist? You guys ever heard of that guy? Um, I might have pronounced his name wrong. I should get it right if I'm going to give him a plug. I should get his name right, <laughs> and I apologize for that. But he was talking about the um, shelter component of it being lagging. He believes that inflation is lower. Than we think, and I. By the way, I side with him more than I side with you guys, and I. I have a shit ton of respect for you guys, as you both know. But I think, I think the inflation part of the episode is is mostly over. But what are we going to start talking? Can the stock market rally if the immediate narrative changes to Yeah, it's just high because of shelter. It's just high because of this. If it comes in hot, are we falling out of bed? Well, because
2: look, you know that if it comes in hot, because it's going to be energy, which it's going to be. Don't sure. forget, that affects transportation. So it affects everything, right? It costs these guys more money to move the food around. So what do they do? They rate prices on the food level. This is the stuff, this is the stuff that affects you and me every day because you have to pay for food every day. You got to pay for energy. You got to pay utilities. That's the stuff. I don't care if televisions are going down in value because A, you can't eat them and B, you don't buy them every day. The same Damn way tray. you do, you fill up your car with gas, right? Or you bring it over and you try to plug it in, but that takes energy too, right? And then you got to go to the supermarket, and you got to go pay your utility bills. So that's where I think um, you're going to see it, right? I'd like to I, listen. I'd love to be in your camp and go. Oh no, it's getting better. I just don't see it.
0: I have a hard time figuring out how shelter comes down. So we know that the home builders can't build enough to make up for the existing homeowners that are not going to sell because they have a two and a half, three percent mortgage. Now they got to have a seven percent mortgage. So right. without the Fed actually starting to cut. I don't know how shelter comes down. Maybe it stabilizes, but down. And again, we're going to have the base effects on shelter, obviously, because there was a huge spike. And But that's the part of it I'm struggling with. And I actually, I, I talked to Shana uh, Orchak Sissel about it on our other show. And she said there's virtually, you know what, I shouldn't quote her on this because I don't know the exact quote. But she was the one who put the idea into my head, let's just say that way, that if you can't move houses, then it drives people who are looking for homes who can't afford the new homes, and the because the the rates so the rates being up also affect the home builders right because they can't absorb as much of it by lowering their costs and taking on some of that. How do you get um, shelter to come down, Kenny?
2: Well, so I the only rate I think you and I think you're going to start to see it because that seven and a half or seven and a quarter percent mortgages. Um, People are having more of a difficult time. And so if a sell, if, if, if there's houses on the market, they really want to sell. That's when you're going to start to see the prices come down in the existing home sales, right? In the, in the new home sales. Don't forget a lot of these builders have their own financing arms built within, right? They can also offer you. Free upgrade. That's how they draw you in, which is why we've seen new home sales up and existing home sales are lower month after month, because when you buy an existing home sale of an existing home, you're buying it as is. You've got to renovate it. You've got to update it. you got to do everything. If you go and take your wife and go look at a new home or new development, you know, it's outfitted beautifully. It's staged beautifully. And when you come in and they go, well, you know, rates have gone up, but we can buy down the rate because we've got our own financing arm and we can upgrade your kitchen cabinets and we can give you better tile all for the same price. And so, you know, your wife goes, oh my God, I have to have this house. And so therefore you end up buying the new home and not the existing home. So the existing homes that are out there are gonna come under
1: pressure first because those people are gonna wanna move them. Okay, I think you guys are both missing something and I want you both to comment on it, turning with you, Kenny. That those The labor data we saw on the 1st, I thought was shit. Yes, great. We had a beat on the headline. And every month for the past seven has been revised lower, including June, which was revised from 210 to 105, half of what it was. Um, as soon as we start seeing break of the labor market, I just spoke to a friend of mine as a headhunter uh, at a, a reunion on Saturday. She said, she said, now we are just getting calls from companies to help them shed employees, not to find employees right now. Kenny. Is the labor market the key to supply coming to the market? Meaning, people can't afford their mortgage payments anymore. They got to hit the bit.
2: Well, I think that's going to be. I think that's going to be one of the issues that's going to cause supply to come to the market. If people lose their job and can't afford it, they're either going to stay there and let the foreclosure process take place, which is like a year and a half, and maybe they think they'll be able to. They'll, you know, something will happen within a year and a half, and then they won't lose the house. But if they're really panicked about it or they get a job in another part of the country, yes, and that's going to force a lot of these houses to come to the market. And they'll come – I think they'll come at better prices, right, because they're going to want to move. They're not going to – they don't have the time or the or, or the ability to sit there and kind of wait it out. They have to make a move.
1: Bobby, so it, it, are we seeing here – when you look at the great financial crisis, 2007, 2008, whatever you put the yep. date on it, are we talking in a structural undersupply of homes? Uh, Is that one of the reasons that people aren't shedding, that that these rate hikes are not having efficacy in breaking up the housing market like they were intended
0: to? I I think yes to that. So you do have a similar dynamic going on in people that have rental properties to where the the cost of renting those things out, they're sitting empty longer than they used to. And also them raising their, their rents, they can only raise them to a certain level and then they just sit empty and that's a bigger cost than actually lowering the rent by a month or two but from that perspective to Kenny's point you know the people who have to dump their houses have to live somewhere and here's the the part of it that kind of offsets what you said I think Jimmy UPS drivers 170,000 a year to deliver packages two days we're recording two days away from the UAW's deadline to go on strike for what a 36 hour work week and a thirty, they just dropped from thirty-two percent pay raise to thirty-three, or I'm sorry, no, to, from 30, 40 to 36
1: forty-six. They were at
0: forty-six yeah. to thirty-three. Okay, yeah, well, you're both these are massive, massive 30 numbers.
1: I mean, <laughs> but
0: from really high to high, yeah. right? These are massive, massive numbers that are going to go into the wage components. Small businesses suffering; these larger businesses giving in to the wage increases that will then come out in the back end in inflation. And this <laughs> is the parts that worry. Okay. And so I agree with you, but let me ask you a question. Where are you seeing
2: rental properties sitting on the market unrentable? Because I'm not seeing that a down here in Florida and I'm not seeing it in New York city, right? You can't, they they go, the minute they come on the market, they go and you're not talking about cheap rents.
0: No, you're you're talking about
2: four and $5,000 a month. Yeah. I'm not seeing it
0: on the other side of Florida either, which is where I live. I live on the opposite coast that Kenny does. I'm not seeing it here where I'm seeing it is in the future because there will not be enough of a supply of homes in my opinion at these interest rates for people to buy them. So then people are going to be forced to go to rents. But at the same time Jimmy's right about jobs. We are starting to soften in jobs. Correct. So there's going to be a point coming where people just can't afford the rents and they're stuck where they're stuck and that's it. You know, and I think, you know, as as parents of older kids you know, Jimmy, your, your kids are pretty much gone. Kenny, I don't even know how many kids you have, but I assume Two. they're pretty much, they, are they pretty much gone. or are they still Yeah, yeah. Home? 36 and 33. So you're talking about kids in their 20s. I saw a weird social media post where a girl said, I'm a 29-year-old teenager, and my parents are walking me through my first job commute. She's Boy. 29, and she got to commute to her first job, and they're walking her through it because she still lives at home. Right. And there's going to be more and more and more of that. So there's going, I think this is going to happen. And the timing of it is what concerns me, guys. And Jimmy, to your point, let me ask you this. You mentioned the seven months in a row, the jobs uh, numbers are pushed lower and lower each month. Manufacturing is now in net layoffs for four months. And manufacturing isn't big here, but it's a canary in a coal mine for the jobs market here. Right. right. Take that. And line that up against 4.3 or 4.5 inflation. Am I wrong in saying that Jerome Powell missed the opportunity to say we would accept a little bit more inflation? Which he he basically said no to that in Jackson Hole. First Kenny, then Jimmy.
2: Yeah, but I think he's I'm with you that he's gonna have to acknowledge a 3% number instead of a 2% number. Because I listen, Larry Summers think that unemployment has to have a five handle on it in order for them to get inflation out of 2%. I don't think it's going there. So I think Jay Powell and the Fed's going to recognize that they've got to accept a 3% inflation rate versus a
1: 2%. I'm with you completely. But Kenny, here's the question that we're talking about all the shit. What's what's the bull case for stocks? Is there a bull case at all if inflation comes in hotter tomorrow? Or is it only bear? Is the only bull case with inflation dissipating? Uh, I,
2: I think the broader rally is going to come under pressure. But then I think you'll find money moving into those very underappreciated kind of big, boring sectors, right? Staples, healthcare, the big mega cap uh, U.S. names that are boring to own, but the, you know, in the they're in the three to five percent dividend payer. You know, it's Johnson and Johnson, it's Procter and Gamble, it's Coke. Those aren't sexy names. That thought
0: AI.
2: But you know what? In a in a in a in a an unsettled environment, that is a place where people are going to find shelter. So utilities, which I understand will respond to interest rates, they're down ten percent. They're starting to catch a bit. They were down thirteen percent at the beginning of the week. They've rallied back since. They're down ten percent now because you got some money finding value in that place. But I do think you'll see money come out of the growth names, certainly. You'll see names like Apple and Amazon get dislocated for no other reason than people are locking in profits and taking money off, which creates a great opportunity for the long-term investor if it just sits back. Because the fundamentals of Apple haven't changed, it's just people are using it like an ATM to raise cash very quickly.
0: I want to get a little off track if I could. Could I do this, Jimmy? Sure, no doubt. Kenny, we've been on now for about 20 minutes. Yeah. And I don't see that you've changed at all. And the other day on Twitter, somebody said, Kenny, you used to be great, but now you're just a shill for the Republicans. And you've changed a lot. I don't think he's changed. Kenny, how have you changed? I, I,
2: I You know what? I saw that same tweet and I scratched my head and I go, I, I, I don't think that's true at all. I mean, I don't think I've become a shill, a, sh- a shiller, sh- a whatever the word is. I don't think I've become that at all. I think I'm exactly the same person I was. Uh, I probably a little bit better looking. I mean, look at this beard. I
1: just had a I called. think so too. You do get better looking as you get older. You yeah, know, the little gray thing, like Art Hogan, Michael Farr, Kenny Pulkeri, they play the gray thing so perfectly. I'm
0: jealous yeah. shit. Anyway, yeah, keep yeah, going. Yeah. I mean, it's so no, like, so so Kenny, that. Kenny's, me. Kenny's the, uh, the Amarone of that group. I mean, he is the good, fine wine of that group. Yeah,
2: yeah. But listen, I
1: agree with you. I don't know where that came from. I don't, I don't, I don't think I have. I don't think I, don't
0: I know have changed
2: from. at all.
1: I know where it came from. Things have gotten so damn crazy that people who are for individual liberties and lean libertarian start to seem like we're crazy, right. despite the fact that, if anything, I'm slightly further left than I was <laughs> 25, 30 years ago. Yeah. I'm more, I care more about gay rights, shit like that. Right. I'm further left, and they paint us like we're crazy white right-wing liberals. It's nonsense, and we just have to—I don't even like the Republicans, and I make that point all the time. I vote against Democrats. There's an enormous difference. Difference. I think their policies are bad. I'm
0: going to make an observation about both of you because I read both of your Twitter specifically religiously. And both of you have complained about government spending under all administrations since I've been following you guys. Right, left, center, doesn't matter. Both of you have said government's too big regardless who was making it big. Whether it was Trump, whether it was Obama, whether it was Bush too, didn't matter. Both of you guys have said that. And I've been standing next to you, Jimmy, on CNBC, and I've been a, half of the screen with Kenny on CNBC, where you've said the exact same thing. So anybody listening to this that thinks either one of these guys have changed? I've changed. I'm angrier. Yeah, but, but You yeah. know what happens? People hear what they want to hear versus what you're oh. saying, right?
2: And someone exactly. that is someone that's way left suddenly thinks that, because I'm like Jimmy. Listen, I have two daughters. I am I am center, maybe slightly right fiscally, but left left of center socially. Right. I spent a lot of years in New York. I get it. I understand the need for social programs. So I am to the left of center on some social. Work. Not way, way left. Not like crazy left. You know, throw just throw the money down and throw it. not
1: that far left.
2: But I, I I find it amazing that when you have try to have these conversations, you know, some guy some guy screamed at me the other day on Twitter. You probably saw. It. Because you know he didn't like my opinion, I said, "So wait a minute. So now you're going to you're calling me you're calling me out because you don't like my opinion. Are we not here to have a robust conversation so both sides can can that's the one discuss I'm and have, to have a conversation? Because if we are, I'm happy to have it. But if that's what you're here for, go away. I'm not interested, right? I'm happy to have an ongoing conversation with you, um, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and think the way you tell me to think because that's what I'm supposed to do."
0: So this leads me to an actual question for both of you guys. We're almost a year away, right, from the election, the one that everybody cares about that probably matters the least in the grand scheme of things. But what do you guys think this has any effect on the Federal Reserve going into the election and any effect on markets? I don't care who answers first.
1: Can you go? Because I got so for, a very strong opinion.
0: So,
2: first of all, I don't think Trump or Biden is going to be the candidate in November. Let's just put that on the table. Wow. I just wow. I just don't think either one of them are going to be the candidate. I think I think they're going to get Biden out due to health reasons. And I think they're going to wait until the convention to do it this way. They don't have to go through a primary process and do all that. I think the superdelegates on the Democratic side want to wait till the last minute. And then they're going to install someone who I think is going to be Gavin Newsom. And then they're going to have to figure out what to do with Kamala because, you know, then they'll, then there'll be an uproar because she's a woman and she's a minority. And what do you mean? She needs to be president. She can't be president. Are you kidding me? I don't think anyone in their right mind thinks that she can be president. But on the other side, I think there's going to be Trump exhaustion. Um, I think people are going to feel bad he's indicted and all that stuff. I get it. I think they're treating him like shit and they should be all ashamed of themselves. But I, in the end, I think that the country's trying to move away from 80-year-old white guys that are just, you know, way too much baggage and not enough foresight. And I think there's a dark horse on the Republican side, and, I, and I'm and i not sure that he's shown his face yet. I'd like to say it's going to be Yunkin from Virginia, but wow. you know, he was very coy, right? If he's going to announce, he's going to announce pretty damn quick. He can't wait much longer. You know who I really
1: am? Starting to like, and everybody tells me how stupid I am because she's a neocon and she's ne- pro military. <laughs> and you know exactly what I'm saying because I, I said she. But is it? And you, Bobby, you've known me for many, many years. Yep. Do I do I like her so much? Just because I want the left to be to like be so you. confused? You know <laughs> what I mean? How are they oh, going to attack okay. her?
0: <laughs> what What I know about you, Jimmy. Jimmy is the guy who would. If he was your roommate, he'd cut your box spring open in the middle of summer and pour tuna in there and then tape it up and leave you wondering what the hell is going on for the next three months while your room smelled like dead fish. He's the guy who would do that. So that's sort of the... the that's No, I think you actually liked her performance in the debate. I think you liked what she said about her sort of... um her international policy experience. I think you liked that. And I think it's a critical part of the next president's resumes, how they would handle a sort of, you know, geopolitics and, you know, geopolitics as a general rule. Yeah. I don't know that it's as important, quite frankly, because, uh, you know, we've obviously had several presidents that have had no, um, experience, national security geopolitical experience or any um,
1: experience for at least one of them. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Obama. Or any experience <laughs> <state> with senator. state <laughs> <right. laughs> yeah.
0: senator. Exactly. And, you know, I, I, I think you guys know this. I'm still a fan of Vivek Ramaswamy. Okay. I just, I, there's there's a lot to like about him in my view, a yep. lot of which I wouldn't say on a recording, yep. um, simply because I don't. it's not the proper form to explain myself. But no, Jimmy, I don't think you like it just to p- like Nikki Haley to piss off the left. I think she's got a lot of qualities for people to like. I don't think she's electable, quite frankly. Uh,
2: but. Well, so listen, to your point about Vivek Ramaswamy... I, I, I like him. He calls it out the way it is. He's not afraid to stand up and say, you know, there are two genders. There's a mother and a father. There's this. There's that. There's, right? All the stuff that everyone wants to say. He just says it. And I think he says it in a way that is real. It's the way that everybody is in the back of their mind. They're thinking it. But, you know, government, nobody wants to say it. He just says it. Now, do I think he's electable at 38 years old? I don't think he's going to be electable. But he's certainly going to set himself up for a cabinet position or something like that. Right? Um, because I do agree. I do. I do like most of stuff. I was a little bit disappointed on his foreign policy stuff at the debate. I was like, mm, you know, she was much better on foreign policy. Yeah, It was, it was, was weak. For Sure, yeah. yeah. Then for sure. She was much better, but she has the, she has that
1: experience. She does. Yeah. So again, before I want to, cause I want to go to oil right now, but, but to, to put a bow on this one, I yeah. don't, I will vote whoever, for whoever runs against the Democrat. I, I don't like the Republicans particularly. I think the Democrats' uh, economic policy is disastrous It's toxic. I think there's so many things that they're doing that are incorrect. I, I hope that's not a stupid way to think about it. I don't care particularly who is. I mean, you guys are probably feeling the same way. Bobby, what do you yeah.
0: think? Yeah, can I throw out one more political question for you guys? Is, is, uh, uh, are you guys It is going a fun to, topic. Are, yeah, <laughs> I mean, are you guys just going to unfriend me for liking Robert F. Kennedy Jr.?
1: Absolutely not.
0: Absolutely I don't hate him. I, I, I don't I just hate him either. Listen, he's honest about his traditional liberal democratic policies. Yeah, he's honest yeah. about them. You know, he, he's very, he questions sort of the machine. He reminds me of a 60s, 70s liberal democrat. Right. And, yeah, and he's in good, like shape, by yeah. he's in good a, shape by the way. He's in good
2: physical shape by the way. is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he's in very good yeah. physical shape. So, you know, I I know. I, I actually like Robert Kennedy too, and I think the Democrats are doing themselves a disservice cuz they're keeping him at bay. They're not yeah. allowing, you know, they're, they're paying no attention to him. And, oh, uh, they're,
1: and yeah, they're, the only attention they're going to pay to him is to keep him out of a debate. You said before they're going to do to the convention cuz they don't want to have a debate That's with exactly Kennedy. right. And, and they don't then want they're going at
2: the at the convention, they're, just, they're going to keep them out of there too. And I think that's when they're going to put Newsom in. I really do. It's going to be, I think they're going to put Newsom in.
1: And you make no, me which want to be a disaster crawl out by this way. window and jump. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That guy's a clown. You know? And he's talking yesterday about, yeah, we got a lot of things wrong. We got most things wrong in the pandemic. Yeah, you got things wrong while people were shouting at you, this is what you're getting wrong. There's right. two different yeah. kinds of idiots or corrupt or whatever the hell you want to call it. And right. he's the worst kind. But That's anyway, one of the let's, best let's,
0: tweets of the year, by the way, Jimmy. I'm reading what you said about his apology.
1: Yeah, yeah how about by you, the way, I'll just tell you? Yeah. Hmm?
2: Jimmy, I, I got to tell you something. Every time I read your tweets, I just smile because <laughs> it's the way you say it. It's, so kind much of the, snarkiness. You know, it's the tone because you can oh, hear him. Even though you're reading it, you can hear him saying it. I know, and It right? makes me laugh every single I want to call you every time I see your tweets because I go, my, Jimmy, I love you. I, I love the love-
1: way you do it.
0: Sometimes I read my his lady. Twitter in bed and I feel weird because it's like yeah. he's in bed with me.
1: <laughs> oh, my, I to try that. To, my, my late father used to always tell me, hey, nobody likes a smartass. If he was alive, he'd be like, Dad, 50,000 people seem to like a smartass. Okay? You were wrong, Dad, if you're listening. I, I think you uh, <laughs> I,
2: I look When I read your tweets, I think to myself, how the fuck did he come up with the... It's just the way you say it. It's like the, the the rhetorical question you ask. I think to myself, how did he come up with
1: that? Do you know how many direct face punches I've taken in my oh. entire life? <laughs> <laughs> I can count about twenty five offhand, and probably the twenty five made me forget the other twenty five. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, let's talk about oil. Today yeah. was a oh, huge no, day. Traded in oil traded at ninety dollars. Traded at ninety dollars. It broke out of that little consolidation pattern for the last couple of days. Yeah. I um, have been. Beating this oil drum for six months. Yep. Uh, I was saying that that was the place to be. I I, I, I still think it's the place to be. I think mm-hmm. that our friends in OPEC and in Russia are going to tighten the screws to us because they were not happy at all that we sold the SPR. I actually think it is inflationary imbalance. I don't think it's inflationary as other people think because I think it pulls money out of people's pockets at the pump and is going to be part of the ingredients that caused the recession coming up. The the two part question, Kenny, do you think it's still good to be in oil and the oil names? Yeah, you mentioned uh, you mentioned utilities and and I was thinking dividends, which means to me that rates may have topped out and you think maybe get some yield too. thoughts on the energy sector.
2: No, I absolutely, because I'm with you. I've been I've been pushing utility in my notes. I like energy. I like the space. I like the big names in energy. I like Exxon and Halliburton, Schlumberger and Chevron. Those are the kind of names I like, and I think you need to be there. Because like you, I think the Saudis and OPEC plus and Russia's going to continue to tighten the screws. And, you know, 80 is, there, 80 is where they'd love to see it. 90, they're in love with it. And anywhere above 95, you know, they're all happy, which is where I think going into the year end, which is where they want to push it. And by the way, the Farmer's Almanac this year suggests that we are going to get a vicious winter in the Northeast. Ugh. Cold, 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 which is only going to cause energy prices to go even higher.
0: Kenny, Great. before I comment on crude, is that a good predictor? I've had people ask me in the past how accurate the Farmer's Almanac uh, is.
2: It, it, yeah, I think it's a very good predictor.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. it's a very good predictor. The I have no data on that at all. Yeah, um, yeah, I yeah. got long crude oil the uh, uh, Thursday, the end of August, the 31st. And my target on crude oil has been basically a two-target trade for me, but 91 is basically the target. It's actually 91.35, but when you get to a round number, I'm fine with giving the cents back. I don't think we initially get much higher than that. And there's a couple of fundamental reasons, but they're mostly technical reasons. Fundamental reasons is if you looked at the monthly oil market report from OPEC, um, Saudi Arabia cut in August 88,000 barrels, about what promised, right? but Nigeria and Iran were up 113,000 barrels. So their actual production for OPEC was up in in August from July right. by about 24,000 uh, barrels a day. So right. they actually increased production as a cabal. Okay. Um, the second part of it for me in the short, short term is Libya's oil production, which has been hurt by Storm Daniel. I should say they're their oil exporting, the production's still there, but they have four ports shut down, which is part of the bid that we got. Again, we're recording it on Tuesday. We had a up 2% day today in WTI, and it's part of that bid. So I suspect when those things bleed through to the market, there's always what's what they're saying the production is versus what the production actually is, where the only place they sort of match up is in the US, right? Everywhere else are kind of off a little right. bit. Um, but I think as we get uh, Goldman Sachs calling for 107 dollars a barrel. They usually call me before their forecast, but they didn't this time. Um, I think that they're going to be right, but I think it's a ways off. But I think the oil names will not get hurt by any pullback. That's why I think Kenny's dead on about that sector. And listen, I also is think. Happy. I also think I don't care what you say
2: about China. I think China is a big buyer of oil. The, 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 their,
0: their, their, their actual numbers last month. We're about 12% higher than the previous month.
2: Right. So everyone goes, oh, you know, China economy is slowing down and they're all worried about China. Well, that might be true, but they are fucking, you know, stockpiling oil. They're either buying it, they're doing whatever they're doing with it, they are stockpiling it. They are a big buyer of oil.
0: Do you worry, Kenny, about the SPR, where it is?
2: Yeah, of course I do, because it's at 40-year lows and and there's... there's Four or five days left in the SPR, I think, of what I read versus the 90 days that there should be if the thing were completely full, right? And so when are they going to start to fill it? When are they really – they had an opportunity when oil was trading down at between 70 and 65 for a good three or four uh, – a couple of – well, maybe one or two weeks, right? Um, yeah, it was trading better. in that range where they had an opportunity to buy it. They didn't. Now it's trading up $30 from there. Are they going to start buying it up here?
0: Jimmy, do you think that has anything to do with us giving back the $6 billion to the Iranian mullahs? that we had frozen. <laughs> hey, please don't stop with the oil and just kind of wait till we right. refill it. I don't know. That's a conspiracy theory of my own making.
1: By the way, I like the conspiracy theories. And, yeah, and it's a good theory. I don't have anything to back it up. God, they called me conspiracy theory for 30 years and I'm probably about like, what, 25 and one? Uh, so <laughs> we we'll with range, you guys right. on our conspiracy theories. Yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah. I told my buddy who told, called me conspiracy theory for literally a month, I'd call him every week and go, oh, Jeffrey Epstein's still alive, huh? Jeffrey is <laughs> still alive, huh? Oh, <laughs> he's not alive anymore, is he? Yeah, there's my conspiracy theory.
0: Okay, and honestly, yeah. like, honestly, guys, uh, you know, I i don't want this whole podcast to do, just drop into this. I, I'm not a particularly big fan of of Donald Trump as a human being, but the right. fact that he's getting hit with these things, and and the people call this whataboutism, but the fact right. that he's getting hit with this stuff, and not one Jeffrey Epstein client is any kind of trouble at all. And you know they know it's who serious. they are. It's but, just absurd well, to me. I'm just
2: waiting for the list to come out. I, I it's, it's going to come out at some point. I mean, it has yeah. to come out at some point, right? Because
1: everyone knows Why, it exists. Though, this has been, like, remember when the FBI first started? So this is the kind of the reverse of it. Meyer Lansky and the mob had pictures of... Uh, J. Edgar Hoover, that this is not, it's not a theory. It's not a conspiracy. They knew about his secret life and they held it over his head forever. My point is within the area of intelligence agency, it goes both ways to have the dirt on someone gives you the power. Our intelligence agencies, we know that they collect dirt on people to use it at a later date. And if they have the dirt, if all these elite people, like it's guys like us that go to prison. Instead of, uh, those guys don't go to prison because they just hold out the dirt on them until they need a favor. And they call it in saying, hey, I got, I got something. Like, I think you'll want to say yes to this. And they right. explain why. So I don't think anyone's ever going to jail. I think that the the, the the horses are out of the barn or whatever stupid expression you can use. I think the intelligence agencies have more power. Than the government does, than any of us. Do. Am I crazy, Kenny? No, no, you're not.
2: I just am dying to see who the people are.
1: <laughs> what? about. Yeah,
2: <laughs>
1: no doubt about it. I,
2: I want to yeah. see Bill Clinton's name on that list. I want to see a so bunch of names on that see, list.
1: If Donald Trump's name on those, I don't care. I want to see anyone's names on that anyone's list. Go on straight it. to hell. And not only name. would I like to see him rot in jail, I'd like to punch him in the face. These, right. This is these are bad crimes we're talking about. No I mean, doubt. I'm not, you know, this is not a. This is a big deal. Bobby, yeah. What do you got?
0: Yeah, yeah. I want to ask you, Kenny. Your company, okay? Case Capital Advisors. You guys are wealth wealth advisors, right? It, well, Case Capital is my
2: is my consulting firm, right? So I'm chief market strategy at a wealth advisor called Slate Stone Wealth, which is located in Jupiter, Florida. Uh, Case is when I left the floor of the New York Stock Exchange and I moved to Florida. I started a consulting business, um, but Case itself is not the RAA or the wealth manager, right? Okay. I use that. I use that for my public speaking stuff. Any any uh any consulting stuff that I do with either BDs or fintechs
0: and that, but my wealth management is Slate Stone Wealth where I'm the chief market strategist. Okay, so as a wealth advisor, wealth manager, and consultant, I and this is for you too, Jimmy, as always, I can't find a reason to get rid of any physical gold I have. As a matter of fact, I'm still going to be accumulating. The, yeah, do you guys see? And again, this is something that I think. Not only could just break out by the end of this year, beginning of next year, but could yeah. be at a level that we've never seen in the next five years. It could be five digits, in my view. Do you guys yeah. think I'm nuts? Is there anything behind that? Or Kenny, Jimmy, will you tell people that ask you, "Hey, should I buy gold?" Is it just an emphatic yes, or is it a yes maybe?
1: Kenny, you go first because I got a strong answer for this. No, I'll I like you.
0: gold, right? I mean, now,
2: now, I like gold as as an investor. Like, if you're talking about Gold mining stocks, and that kind of stuff. Physical gold. The only physical gold that I own is is jewelry that I buy my wife. You know, a couple of Krugerrands and that stuff. But I don't buy physical gold.
1: But Bullshit. I think- you got pinky rings. I'm <laughs>
2: sure you got yeah. all of it, right? Well, okay, but yeah, okay. But I mean, I, I'm not buying gold. you <laughs> You're your teacher, boxes, yeah, right? <laughs> saying right? But um, but um, I think I think you have to have gold. I think you have to have gold in some form. Um, and it's funny you say that because I was just talking to my brother a couple of weeks ago and. He and his wife went out and actually bought gold and they put it away in the safe deposit box like physical gold and put it away in the safe deposit box because uh because he agrees he's in your camp
1: so here's what I like about gold living and I have physical gold and please any of you guys hear this and want to come get it I have guard dogs I have guns <laughs> if you can if you can get it yeah, I, I, my hat is off to you um here's the point <laughs> is that over the last couple months. The dollar had a screaming rally, a relentless rally. Gold held in pretty good. Real yields are up usually, which is the death knell for gold. Gold's held up pretty well despite that too. Um, I think if all of a sudden that situation reverses where real yields are not still positive, where the dollar starts to fall because of the pivot. My speech in New Orleans on November 1st, Thursday night, is. I already have the title of it. It's called Preparing for the Pivot, a deep dive into Fed in the Federal Reserve, and how it may affect real assets. So that's going to be my speech on November 1st in New Orleans. I think gold is a big deal, and because it hasn't broken. Kenny, comment on that.
2: Yeah, so, and I agree with you, because the dollar has rallied significantly. And gold's come off. It was trading where? 2,100, sure. close to 2,100. So it's, it's, it's trading in 1950. It's trading at 1950, and it's kind of held there. It tested down to 1910, and it's bounced back, and it's holding in there. Even as the dollar is now trading at recent highs, it's still holding in. So, no, I yeah. like all. And by the way, where are you speaking on Thursday?
1: No, Thursday, November 1st, if yes. that's the right date, in New Orleans at the New Orleans Investment Conference being held at the Hilton Riverside. Oh, it's wow. the fourth year in a row I've been down there. It's a gas. It's a, a bunch of, It's a lot of hard money people, a lot of gold miners sponsor it. Uh, Brent Johnson will be there. Jim Grant will be there. Uh, Dave Collum, you guys know Dave, right? And so do you yeah. stand
2: up there with, with PowerPoints and charts and all that shit, or do you just talk?
1: No, I stand up there with powerpoints. It makes it look a little more <laughs> professional. I'd rather just stand up there and talk. So who, but, who uh, creates your powerpoints for you? My daughter
2: Abby. Oh, I love <laughs> that answer because because no because listen that's great because honestly I wouldn't know how to make a powerpoint to start and so uh, and so I don't and, and but what I do is whenever I go speak you know me I speak like I just speak. Right. I don't have yeah. all these charts up there because people, I, people that speak in front of me have the charts and the powerpoints. They flip through it. And I see people in the audience, you know, just kind of glaze over. I just talk and I move back and forth and I become, you know what I mean? I don't, have, I don't use any charts and I don't make any apologies about it, um, but I'm happy to talk. You know, if someone has a specific question, I'm happy to talk about it. But so I can't go into chart.
1: Real, real funny thing. Last uh, January, I spoke at a semiconductor conference in Miami, Florida. There was 12 speakers. And afterwards, all the people who were in attendance were to rate the 12 speakers. And I finished second place in the 12 speakers by one vote. The guy who beat me was my damn brother, who was also speaking at the same <laughs> conference. <laughs> and I still think he rigged it somehow. But uh, whatever. <laughs> Bobby, what do yeah. you
0: got? Yeah, I, I want to go back to gold before we let like Kenny go. And the, the reason that I like physical gold is because... Regardless of what we think, right now the CME Fed watch tool has the first even possibility of a rate cut, moved out to June. We've seen it as recently as September of this year. And that it just keeps moving out, moving out. The market keeps adjusting as time goes forward, um, as it tends to do. And ever since we've had an activist Fed for the most part, I mean, gold's up 80% in the last 10 years, 83, 84, something like that, up like over 400% since 2010. Right, and people think gold's an inflation hedge. And one of the questions I got from somebody today, they said they called me up. uh, One of our clients called up and said, "Look, you think crude oil is going to have a little bit of an effect on inflation? Kenny thinks that too. Should I buy gold because it's an inflation hedge? No, it's not. What gold is, gold is sort of a, a holy trinity or an unholy trinity of inflation, because gold only is an inflation hedge when inflation is low and the and the economy is slow and the Fed is cutting rates." in order to spur the economy and spur inflation. That's when gold rallies. And we, I think we all believe that the Fed will not stop being an activist Fed.
2: So right. when they
0: come back in and buy bonds and cut rates, there goes gold. That's kind right. of the way when
2: right. When Which do you think, I think that happens? I don't think it happens now until, I think it's gonna be summer, late summer 2024, if it even happens then. I think and it I might know, be as long as what, 2025. But it is a Maybe presidential he, election year here. next year, which is why I think it'll happen before, around or right before the election. I don't think they're going to wait until go after I think there'll be too much pressure that, you know, unless unless inflation doesn't stop, um, I think it would be the summertime, late summer of uh, 2025. So who is it? Is it H- Hutchinson?
1: The, um, he's, it's, a it's Hutchinson, Hutchinson? right? What the, is it's that a, Hutchinson. So was, I, at Zero Hedge had a headline that said, Hutchinson says that Jay Powell should be fired. For having rates so high, and I'm thinking to myself, Jay Powell should be fired for not acting quicker when that right. June 2021 CPI was already over five percent. Right. He said transitory and hit the gas. Right. I mean, these, and these congressmen, even when they say something that I agree with, the reasoning is asinine. They're like the dumbest bunch of people I've ever seen in my life.
2: Listen, remember yeah. when 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 inflation was you know 1.4 percent, 1.6 percent, all those months and, and those years, and Jay Powell said. The minute we go over two percent, that's gonna be the signal, that's when we're gonna to start to raise rates. And then it went over two percent in I think it was May, April or May of, of uh of twenty-one. And that's what he kept saying it's transitory, and it went straight up to nine and a half percent. Now, he also had a job to protect, right? Because his job was on the line. He needed to he needed to, that's he needed why to protect his yeah. job, which is why he didn't yeah. which is why he didn't start
1: sooner, right? So yeah, that's a Mel, the Mel Brooks quote, gentlemen. We got to protect protect our phony baloney jobs here. Bobby, what do you got?
0: <laughs> I got nothing. We got one minute left with Kenny. Kenny, do you want to do a quick uh, recipe, real quick for you know everybody? Oh wants. Oh my to. God, a quick recipe! You're killing throw me now. Yeah. You got one. Come on.
2: So uh, I, I forget what was, what was the last you make one a I threw.
1: Perfect buco? Give me a perfect osso buco. Listen. Do do so here's how have... I
2: make the osso buco, Right, you take the veal shank. <laughs> Uh, I season them and, uh, I season them in a seasoned flour, right? So salt and pepper in the flour. I dredge the asabuco in the flour. I, I, uh, I put it in a, in a big pot and I fry it in oil so they get nice and brown on all sides. I, sh- I slice up the pep, the, uh, onions, the carrots, the celery and the garlic in the bottom of this big baking dish. I, I just line it with the, with the, um, with the veal with the veal that I brown, I put the veal in first in the bottom of the big aluminum pan. And then I take the raw vegetables and I lay it right on top. Then I go back to the pan that I, that I brown the the meat in and I add half a can of tomato paste. I add uh, a quarter of a bottle, maybe a half a bottle of red wine. And I add a a thing of beef broth. I bring it all to a boil. I let the alcohol burn away off the wine. I let the tomato paste, you know, melt in the thing. And then I pour that whole thing over the, over the, the, the baking dish. It's got all the vegetables in the, in the, and you want it to bathe. You don't want it to be soaking. You just want enough in there that the, that the veal, that the veal shanks are bathing in the, in the, in the juice, right? To, uh, seal it really tight with tinfoil and put it in the oven, 325, but it's got to stay in the oven now for five hours, right? The longer it stays in the oven, the better it's going to be, but keep it, but keep it tight because it's the steam that'll cook the vegetables and make them soft and then create the, the veal will fall off the bone.
1: Bobby, last question for you. Yeah. If you had to pick between a beautiful dinner of asobuco or a brujol, (laughs) what's your favorite? Uh,
0: I'm sorry, I go brujol. I'm an immigrant. I'm a poor immigrant. Asobuco was too expensive for us back in the day. I love them both. Next time
1: we're gonna get a good brujol recipe. My mom made a brujol. brujol Listen, the the next
2: time we do this, I want to do this at your restaurant. We're gonna bring all the cameras out there. We're gonna sit down. We're gonna do this at your restaurant. (laughs) That's I know standard. I would invite in myself kitchen. out there, but we're going to. Inv- I'm inviting myself out there. Bobby and I will fly, right, up from, a, we'll fly from will fly from Florida. We're going to come in there. We're going to take the place over. We're,
0: we're going, going to, to turn play- it Actually, into Brantolinos.
2: You should sell tickets to this, and we'll be right in the middle of the dining room. We'll have people all around us. We'll be having this conversation.
0: Jimmy, for one hour only, it's going to be Brantolinos of Palatine Hill. <laughs>
1: right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, oh, you know, I got to jump. This is. This has been too much fun. See you, Kenny.